yesterday when we tried to record and failed, we had, um, there was a bit that I missed out on. I missed like the punchline. So I was like, kind of had to sit and hum a few bars. Um, but if I remember correctly, Tom, you had an idea for the show, The Activist. I would just like to run that bit back because I was <laughs> I was like in the dark. Like I said, since my internet kept dropping, I dropped it right when you were explaining. <laughs> yeah. So here's what the here's what I pitched to the network heads. You know, they've it was reported this week they were going to do it as like a a competition game show style thing, but now they've since thought, okay, maybe that's a little callous. And we're going to go and do it documentary style. Well, I disagree. I think they should go back to the competition style. But with this twist, I think that whatever your organization is advocating against, uh-huh. let's say, so the example I used yesterday was, let's say you're fighting toxic masculinity. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So here's what you'd have to do. You would have to go against the American gladiators, you know, the sort of... Uh, pinnacle of toxic masculinity in the 90s you know larry zonka hosting especially and here's what here's what's at stake though if you lose in the games Uh you have to renounce whatever it is you're advocating for and admit that the other side's right (laughs) so like if you lose an american gladiator style competition if saber hits you with that big you know, ball cannon thing, you know, while yeah. you're trying to run the obstacle course or whatever, then I'm sorry my hands are tied. You have to get up there and say that a woman's place is in the <laughs> is not in the house nor the Senate, but rather the kitchen. Those are the rules. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I th- how, like how like how much are you willing to give up to fight for what you believe in is really <laughs> are, are you willing to put your own physical abilities on the line yet? Right. Yeah. Right. So also, you know, what they could do is like, uh, uh, you know, it could be also like, um, like fear factor, right? Uh-huh. So like, yeah. if your if your team is like those racist anonymous yeah. people that we talked about, I guess a couple months ago, like your mission is like you go and like Joe Rogan's on the microphone, but you have to go visit a Dominican barber shop. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. Or or the example we used, you got to like. You got to take like the train like uptown from like the upper uh, west side in New York to like the Bronx or something, you know, <laughs> and, and encounter all the people that in daily life you would try your best to avoid. To avoid yeah. normally. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or that you would antagonize in a situation where you have the upper hand. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or, okay. So, all right. So then the example yesterday did work. You could have a, like a Legends of the Hidden Temple style competition but it would be in chernobyl like if you're an environment if you're an anti-nuclear activist you have to do legends of the hidden temple in chernobyl you mean like in a nuclear like reactor core or some shit like that yes exactly (laughs) nice nice. you have to get out with like under a certain dosage of radioactivity in your body also wearing a hazmat suit already to make it like like physically like difficult (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to like do these stunts and shit. Okay, all right, yes. Okay, all right. So yes, so then my We're yes, basically my example taking of... the battle from the marketplace of ideas <laughs> to the marketplace of physical competition. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. That's exactly what it is. You're right. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, ca- deep casual casual listeners will say, "Well, that sounds a bit fascist, Tom Sexton." That's why you have to meet them on their own turf and destroy them on their own turf. Only way to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, um, you know how they had like triathlons, like yeah, swimming, biking, and running. Um, yeah. yeah, you're you're an anti offshore drilling activist. You have to swim through the Gulf like while it's coated in oil. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you're you have to, as an obstacle course. You have to dodge like <laughs> pelicans, like covered in oil and shit like that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This is much better. Okay, yeah, this is tight. This is tight. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give y'all like an organization. You gotta tell me what they're like. Sort of uh, game show like competition they'd have to do is. I think the example. Okay, let's go back to this because the example I used yesterday before we got cut off was surge. What what would you say surge? Showing up for racial justice. What would they? What what kind of gauntlet would they have to run? Mm. Um. Okay. Uh. So like the person who's most active in surge is like a white person, right? Because like the whole idea of surge is like if you're white, you use your whiteness to dismantle racism. To show up for racial justice. To show up for racial justice, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. So then it, you could do like a cannonball run type thing where you have to show up. But if you don't show up, you have to admit that racism is good, I guess. <laughs> nah, I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking more like you have like the example I was using yesterday. You have like... Um, like after work or like uh, social settings, you know, maybe you have like a Cinco de Mayo like party or something like that, or maybe you have like <laughs> an event where people should be culturally sensitive. Okay, yeah, 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 and you yeah. Have yeah. To, <laughs> and you have to try to convince your racist coworker who's wearing a sombrero or some shit like that, <laughs> like who's a white dude, why like that's not cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're or, they're less about you, physical. Yeah. <laughs> you could take that. You could take it back to the legends of the hidden temple too, and like talk. You know, like <laughs> when the guys, the Aztecs guys, dressed like Aztecs would jump out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of letting them push you into like a ball pit or something, you try to tell them why what they're doing is culturally, culturally. insensitive. Wait, as they're trying to push you into a ball pit. So right, like- right, right. So you're taking, you're actually bringing the marketplace of ideas to the marketplace of physical competition, and we're going to see which one wins out. Yeah, you're shuffling around on like this small like pillar or some shit like that with them while trying to convince them why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What about okay? What about ACLU? Th- th- that's like a Ooh. social justice cause, right? Like, um, okay. that's a good one. Like, if you're an ACLU activist, what what would be your gauntlet? What would be your physical um, gauntlet? I got you. Like a moral conundrum that, like, you know, uh, pits you against like defending like. The freedom of speech of Nazis versus like, like doing something that the ACLU probably should be doing. You know what I mean? Like something that puts them in a in a dialectical, I guess, conundrum. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but what game show would fit that the best? Uh, that's a good one. Family Feud. I was gonna say Family Feud. <laughs> yeah, family family feud, feud might do it. Yeah. Yeah, Family Feud. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> Over here we have the mingle of family to our left. <laughs> 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 the, 
They're pretty. We don't like what they have to say, but we respect their right to tell it. <laughs> and then Steve Harvey comes out. Knows. <laughs> Steve Harvey, fresh from the trunk of a car in Eastern Kentucky, <laughs> or the back seat of a car, climbs out smooth as his suit out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, just pulls the wrinkles out and then just. <laughs> God damn it! Okay, God damn. okay. I got, I got one. I got one. I think here. Let's just, let's just get right into it. The Democratic Socialists of America. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh shit. That's a good one. What okay. you think? Um. Well, let me. Th- I'm trying to think about like um physical competition game shows all right so there's like the amazing race um double dare remember was double dare the game where you got slimed yeah mark summers was the host Mm -hmm. yeah and he hated slime yeah Um, like on nickelodeon back in the day mm -hmm, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. and if you remember there was a spinoff of that called guts and then eventually global guts Mm mm-hmm okay 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 should we do Double Dare? What's I mean? Because I can't. Even, you're right. There was a spinoff called Guts. I never watched it. So on on Double so, Dare, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to jog my memory, but they asked like questions, and if you couldn't answer the questions, you could say physical challenge, right? And then you would have to do something like yeah, uh, run across like a rickety bridge with like a slime pit underneath or something, right? And they'd like be people. dumping slime left and right. Okay. Yeah. So, so the DSA one would be <laughs> the DSA at, one would be like you have to fix a brake light, or I mean you have to like okay it's, it's the it's the amazing race, but unless you get your brake lights fixed, you're gonna get pulled over by the cops. Yeah, and like missed work and like you know yeah child support payments and like actually like go to jail yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like real world consequences. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we'll stick that one back in the oven for a little bit and see <laughs> see what happens with. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, oh wow! God damn Well, in uh, any case, yeah. Uh, nevertheless. Well, so no, so then they're not doing though the activist show like they said they were. is usher still involved that's all i want to know is usher still think, involved with the new revamp i think all three it was julian is it ho julian hoff or is it ho julian i don't know julian hoff, hoff. Yeah. yeah uh i forget the other who actually julian hoff wore a uh, blackface apparently for Halloween one year where she was uh yeah she was I forget the actress's name from Orange is the New Black but the woman who plays uh Crazy Eyes I think her name is she um yeah this this woman wore blackface and like her hair twisted up in knots like the character from the show a couple years ago so yeah and by the way yeah well then what's her activist like I, but dude, I mean I well, have no, I, I have what no is, idea what is Usher's activist bona fide? I mean, like being black in America, I don't know, dude. I don't fucking know. Here's being like a, a popular figure in America. No idea. It's like, uh, did they just find like three celebrities who have like had like teachable moments based on their like 
public misdeeds that or that got exposed, and it's like that's how, that was the oh, basis. Oh yeah. Like Julian mm, Hoffman blackface, so she gets on this because now she's learned, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And exactly. Usher cheated on his wife or girlfriend or whatever, uh, made yeah, an album cheated. about it. Yeah, yeah but she... I feel like he did his public penance. He made a whole album off of it. Like, yeah, and got like... extremely rich. That thing sold a million <laughs> copies in its first week. This man, this man literally had his cake and ate it too. <laughs> I love oh, it. That's a. I will say that album is great. I mean, like not every song on it. It's got some filler for sure, but it's like, I'd say like seventy percent of it is an excellent album. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I feel yeah. like that's back when like you could listen to an album like all the way through and almost every song was a hit. You know, totally. Who who is Priyanka Chopra? She's the third person have, on this show. That is Nick Jonas's wife. She's an actress. She was on that show Quantico. Yeah. Oh. Like where she's like a like a training to be an FBI agent or something. Oh, so this yeah, is her she, penance. Okay. Did she come yeah. out of Bollywood type of stuff? Is that her like like her uh acting? I no, I think she's I think she's just I think she's American, but I think uh yeah, I think uh quite, she's been on a bunch of shows. I can't really. She's winner of Was the it Miss World was it she, pageant. Was she briefly married? Hold on a second. I think she might have been. I want to check this before I say this out loud because I'm wondering if uh, no, 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 no. I think all of these people. I think Chopra, Usher, and Julian Hoff. I think they're all involved in like celebrity type philanthropy, like celebrity type activism. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. They speak UNICEF. A- yes, exactly. I'm it up now at yeah. UNICEF, they speak out against like infanticide. Uh, you know stuff like that. Like you, you mean know, just just like low low hanging fruit. Like nobody yeah, likes yeah. In- like the worst, most generically worst, like you know crises crises you could think of. You know, but that don't really require much of a like mm-hmm. like you know you're not taking much of a risk. Like no one is against like you know like child like sex trafficking or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, or, like, yeah. You know environmentalism now. It's not it's not dodgy. You know what I'm saying? What in the early two thousands, in the early two thousands, like Darfur was one of these. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like, George Clooney was big into... And I'm not saying that didn't deserve attention or anything, but it was like, you know... It seemed like, you know, something everybody could agree on. I'm fucking... I'm pissed. I'm pissed that this show's not actually happening now. That they're just doing, like, a boring-ass documentary. Like, no, come on. Like... Yeah, they should have stuck... They should have stuck to their guns, man, and just, like, had the original vision play out. out Yeah, I mean, because, like... I mean, if you're a leftist, like, whatever you're doing isn't really threatened by this anyways. Like, this is just... It's like gamified activism of, like, the... Uh, what was the... F- Coney-type stuff, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. The, the, it would have been some good it, content. Oh, my God, it would have been so good. We could have did, like, we tune in every night and then report back on it. That would have been yeah, so exactly. good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're cheating. It would have been something to hate watch. It would have been something to hate watch. It would have been perfect. It's funny because it's like the presumption is like <laughs> certain causes are going to lose out and just get a door prize. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they're, literally so out, they're literally like playing out a pressure Jeopardy Olympics. Or something. Yeah. It's a pressure Olympics, like, you know, like on TV. That's what it is, man. The, 
No, I. So we weren't ready for that. We, like I said yesterday, it's the it's like the Back to the Future meme, Marty McFly. Like your kids are gonna love it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a Wikipedia page for activism. It just it just says activism. What's the what does it have to say? What's the definition of activism? Activism consists of efforts to promote, impede, direct, or intervene in social, political, economic, or environmental reform with the desire to make changes in society toward a perceived greater good. And some of the um, <laughs> some of the examples they offer, like civil rights activists. All right, that makes sense. Women's Liberation March in Washington D.C., August 7, 1970. That makes sense. And then they have like barricade at the Paris Commune, March eighteen seventy one. Okay. <laughs> oh my God! They really do something. <laughs> the famous, the famous Occupy the Commune, man. As we all uh, know, man. Oh, oh shit! God, speaking of Occupy, speaking of Occupy, did you guys see that tweet going around from um? Was it Occupy Democrats? That was like. <laughs> Retweet if you support landlords. <laughs> yeah, it was basically like, yeah, RT, RT, if you think, it says breaking, a large Florida landlord announces that he will begin requiring all new and existing tenants to provide proof of COVID vaccination, saying, you don't want to get vaccinated, you have to move, and if you don't, we will evict you. RT, if you support the landlords, move. <laughs> Bruh. Didn't they have some shit? I don't know if it was the Occupy Democrats, but it was some some wing of the Democratic Party, like social media wing, where uh, this woman was uh, under threat of losing her child because she wasn't vaccinated, and they were like retweeting this, like to show, like so, like the judge, I guess, who like handed down this ruling, like yeah. you know, was doing the right thing, and it's like the same kind of like, yo, this is not a good thing, man. We, be pun- to be punishing people like this, you know. Did we talk? We had an episode about this a few weeks ago about like judges, um, you know, telling people you have to get vaccinated or you're going to jail. And then, and in this case, yeah. the one that you're referencing, Aaron, I think that was in Georgia. The judge denied this woman custody of her child because she wasn't vaccinated or something like that. Yeah. 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 Oh man. I don't know. I don't know. Today isn't the today like the. 10th anniversary i saw people posting that to you the 10th anniversary of occupy speaking of which i saw people posting about that oh, today is holy shit you're right yeah, yeah well like today yeah like this month this month of september this year it's the 10th anniversary God damn, 10 fucking years 10 years i, I remember man. writing down to the um i remember writing down to the courthouse in austin which is where i was living at the time i was biking down there and i was on the phone with my friend Eric and I was like this might really be it man this might be the revolution <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah. I should have known I was in Little Rock Arkansas uh working at the Clinton Library this is before I was swimming upstream from liberalism and I should have known something was up when they were just like yeah come on in hang out <laughs> like all the occupied people just <laughs> welcome them to the library like gave them like cake and cookies and <laughs> Pops and shit. Like, <laughs> oh, it's that easy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, and that's I when I started believing in the power of public partner, uh, uh, public private partnership. 
Listen, we're only going to change things when we bring the NGO world to the business world. And I've that's been just, saying that's it. what I believe then, that's what I believe now. Yeah. I've been saying that. Yeah. Um, I'll, oh, go ahead, Terrence. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was in New York at the time. Um, I was going to a community college. And I was taking this political, uh, it was political, it wasn't political science. It was American government, but could tell my like professor, you know, probably like, like had probably taught political science courses, um, and definitely like was trying to kind of inspire like the kids there, you know, like taking this American, this like remedial, I think American government class. And, uh, like you said, Terrence, I really felt too at the time, like, I was like, oh shit, it's about to pop off. Cause even my professor you know, he made this, uh, tried to make this kind of grand speech, you know, on the last day of class, where he's basically like, you know, what's going on just a couple blocks away, you know, like he's trying to say that's history, you know, and that's the way it really felt, man, at the time, uh-huh. you know, that it felt like this was something like monumental and then, you know. Well, it, it happened at the same time, well, it happened like maybe six or seven months after the Arab Spring, so it felt, it had that kind of like world historic feel to it you know what i mean yeah are we like a shockwave are we next yeah yeah is it gonna happen here i mean which we should have known like after we saw the holographic image of the pale horse riding through the Tahrir square what was in retrospect (laughs) probably uh a uh a harbinger of things to come uh yeah but you know who could have known, you know? Mm-hmm, right. Um, well, do you guys want to... Um, do you guys want to hit some softballs? How are how you feeling see. today? You want to you hit some softballs? Yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. Are you talking about <laughs> big, swollen softballs? We're talking about big, swollen softballs today. Yeah, I'll big, hit some big, swollen, swollen barricade softballs. softballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... No, I'm talking about the um, article going around in Bloomberg, the op-ed, about company towns. Um, oh, even softer balls. <laughs> even softer balls. <laughs> um, Amazon's new factory towns will lift the working class. Um, plentiful new jobs at higher wages in places with cheaper housing sounds like a solution to inequality. Um, I was like out in new mexico the past week and i don't watch a whole lot of tv but um in the hotel like i had the tv on and a commercial came on for amazon i don't know if you guys have seen this have you guys seen this commercial it's it's like i've seen several from amazon yeah it seems like it was made probably right before or right after the unionization attempt in Mm -hmm. alabama um but it features a guy who is basically talking about how Amazon helped him like go on to find a better paying job as a nurse. They like paid for his tuition and all this. And like, yeah. did have y'all seen this? Yeah, I, I've seen the. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Um, I don't know if it's the same one, but similar where they talk about the education opportunities yeah. that Amazon has afforded to people and. Like, the twist at the end is, like, you know, you can get a job, like, outside of Amazon, beyond Amazon, or right back at Amazon, you know? But I guess in, like, a higher, like, echelon or something like that. Right. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
pretty dark. Um, this very dystopian, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think this kind of goes in that same vein. Like, you know, I, I think that they they're trying to make the case that they are a public good rather than a public nuisance. Um, you know, and they're obviously like they're, they're taking over everything. Um, but it, it kind of seems like natural that they would want to also take over like municipal governance and kind of, you know, become a sort of like sub government to the U S government, Exactly. you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I I promise you, you will see this in the coming years. If you live in a place, your municipal water supply will be at some point taken <laughs> over by Amazon. Your electricity <laughs> utility will be taken over by Amazon yeah. because none of none of like the things that we deem sort of uh, you know. And I, I grew up in a town where those were were public things, at least you know on the water side until mm. fairly recently, and. If you're wherever you're living, like none of these like companies, private companies that provide those services can like stand under the weight of like the sort of the onslaught of like Amazon's societal takeover in every sector. Yeah. It's like, you know, you could already order your groceries on Amazon, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. It's like it's not that far of a leap to think that they can also infiltrate like every single thing we need for like day to day existence. Mm. Uh, I've mentioned this on the show before, but even like not even like immaterially speaking, like not even something material like my town, which is like Stonecrest, uh, they were going to change the name to Amazon in the hopes of capturing that bid when Amazon was shopping around for a new warehouse. And my town where I live was willing to change it its name to Amazon in order to like... <laughs> You know, attract like yeah, that. Well, it, so. in, in fairness, Stonecrest is a trash name. <laughs> it's like it a is, generic, vaguely British-sounding thing. Exactly. Exactly. It also known as Lithonia, which I guess is a more preferable name. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it definitely sounds like a manufacturer. It's like so it. thirsty. It's like, come on, exactly. like why would Amazon? Oh, it's so bad. Well, that's well, that's Amazon funny you like, say that, Aaron, yeah. because like every yeah. town in Eastern Kentucky is named after a coal company. Like I never, uh-huh. I didn't even know this till a few years ago. But like, I think Vico, like the city of Vico, which kind of got uh, famous, uh, you know, probably seven eight years ago for having you know the gay mayor Johnny Cummings that uh, was on the Colbert Report and all that stuff. But I think Vico is an acronym that means. Is is it Viper something coal and coke organization something it's like Virgi- that? Virginia Coke and Coal. Virginia Coke and Coal. Yeah. Okay. And Seco wow. is the same. Seco is the same. Southeast um, Coal. Seco. Yeah. yeah it used to be a company town. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, it's. I, but th- this op-ed is kind of interesting, and you know, while I was like looking at it, you know, it's the one that's going around on. Bloomberg right now but there was another one from a few years ago that also made the rounds um, and it's called it also on Bloomberg Bloomberg really really wants us to live in company towns <clears throat> um, it says what what Facebook can learn from company towns um, as the Silicon as the technology firm plans to build a village in Silicon Valley history suggests that can 
what can sustain a company town long after its founders are gone. Like, and the whole point of this article, like, it found two company towns, like one made by Hershey and one made by, like, a still, you know, corporate corporation, I think. And it was like, um, you know, like, it was, it was, it said, one of the subheaders is how a company town can last. And it, like, went through all the things that Hershey did to make this company town, like, sustainable and like people want to live there and stuff i don't know it's pretty crazy now this from the uh from the bloomberg well the the first one that we brought up the most recent one the amazon company town one it's just like this amazing in the beginning of it like where he's trying to present like he doesn't even call company towns company towns he keeps calling them factory towns right yeah 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 and it, it just reminds me of a like if you ever watched like Mad Men, you know when Don Draper is like pitching an idea to you, he's like, "But what if you shifted that focus to a different kind of community? Let's call them factory towns." Like you know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> well, trying to fact- sell you. Factory like- <laughs> town has the connotation of like this like uh, town too tough to die, right? Like proud of their work yeah. ethic and all that stuff. Company town, the connotation is exploitation, authoritarian. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's mm. like authoritarian and stuff, but Factory Town sounds like that mid-century, like robust middle class thing that everybody loves. Because so we much. live and work together in a factory, like we cohabitate right. this space instead of being owned and exploited by. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. In many ways, it's kind of like the. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, like COVID, obviously, has changed a lot of things, to say the least. But, like, one of the more fundamental changes in political economy that it's initiated is, like, our merging with technology and the Internet. Like, in mm. the sense that now there is a sort of almost singularity. And it's crazy that they they want us to move physically into their spaces, but they also want us to inhabit their spaces virtually. Like, the whole me- yeah. Facebook metaverse thing. Like, yeah. can you imagine a scenario where... You wake up in the morning, you put on your ocular VR set and go to your conference meeting. Everything in that meeting is rendered realistically. Um, and so you have a meeting like you would in real life, but it's virtual reality. Um, but they can monitor you even cl- more closely and make sure that you're not like communicating with anybody else or, you know, like that you're, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just, yeah. it's, it's that seamless integration with the uh, internet that they want, but they also want our physical locations to be integrated into their sort of like vertical <laughs> operations yeah. as well. I think Tom, you've mentioned this before. We talked about it. Like the fact that like, you know, what's, what's most profitable now is not even like physical, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like all this like data, I guess, and this kind of metadata and, I saw a tweet, like this really dystopian tweet. Somebody said something like, you know, imagine that, um, like, you know, you live in a smart home, right? That uh, uses that internet of, of things, you know, uh, where you have like uh, devices on you that read your biometrics or something like that, you know, and um, you try to call out of work. You know, and this these devices can tell whether or not whether you're lying like, based on your yeah exactly, exactly yeah. whether or not you're fucking lying or not. Try to just get a day off. Fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which you know, listen, like uh, lying, calling in sick is a time honored tradition. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> also, stealing from work, time honored tradition. Right? Yeah, like a little wage theft. This thing is, is they don't like it when it comes back to them, but they're they're happy to engage in all that wage theft and everything else. Yeah. 
Um, okay, let's read this real quick. Um, this is ri- written by a guy named Connor Sin. Connor with one N. Connor with one N. And what his, kind of name is that? His last this name is, kind of sounds like Sin. Like this is Sin Dog from Cypress Hill. This is his. Uh, this is his real name. His <laughs> nom de guerre. <laughs> Their Sin Dog is his nom de guerre, but this is his government name. This is government name. He's also written such um, bangers as Amazon and Walmart are winning the labor market wars. Um, itching to reinvent your career? Now is the time. Um, oh, this this motherfucker lives in Atlanta too. Jesus also, how Christ. I could just kill a man and uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll stop. <laughs> I'm showing my age here. This kid's like, what the fuck, Cypress Hill? Um, the campaign against economic inequality has put a bullseye on cities. Local governments are encouraged to raise minimum wages, change their zoning laws, and build more housing, particularly in affluent communities that are squeezing out the lower class. But what if you shifted that focus to a different kind of community? Consider these burgeoning new places strung along the interstate and other highways leading away from urban cores, populated by warehouses and fulfillment centers that are being built to serve the needs of e-commerce customers. Let's call them factory towns. These are places where working-class jobs are being created in large numbers and where wages already are rising. They're not much in the spotlight yet, but making these modern-day company towns more livable for the working class might be a better approach to solving inequality with a higher likelihood of success than continuing to fight against entrenched interests in coastal cities and high-cost parts of metro. Wait, metro it's even worse than I thought. I was, you know, I did the requisite just like retweet this thing because it's like, yeah, I, I, I always know when one of these articles is going around because invariably we'll get tagged in a picture of me and Terrence standing out in front of the Seacoast store with Terrence has got me bleach with on bird shirt. shit. Him. Yeah, not bird shit, contrary to popular belief, and me bloviating about company towns and stuff. That's pretty bad though. Hold up, though. Like he's like, you know what? The the real path forward here is to rob them of what little autonomy they have left. <laughs> Basically, what he said, yeah, what he's saying is like, politics is impossible. You're never gonna win. So let's just give up, and let's let's turn over everything to the comp to the tech companies, because they'll look out for us because they have technology and resources. But hold up, though. This motherfucker said they're not much talking about these factory towns. They're not much in the spotlight yet. I mean, there's a reason why, motherfucker. Like, given like a hundred years of like labor history, why right. like company towns aren't very fucking popular. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is pretty. It is pretty impressive how, um, you know, of all the things, it isn't pretty. It is pretty impressive how deeply Americans have internalized that idea that like. Company towns are bad. Most people hate the idea, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. I talk to people, like, my mom grew up in a company town. A lot of people back home grew up in company towns. And it's funny because, like, people that are younger, like the younger end of boomers, like people in their 50s, maybe 60s, like, tend to have, like, negative associations. But, like, older people, like, in their 70s and 80s were like, Lord, we had a movie theater. And we had a grocery store. <laughs> and we had this and that. And it's like, I'm like, God, were your conditions that Spartan that, that you didn't even consider, like, all the, like, 
autonomy <laughs> that you just you know you've seeded based not you you know you've yeah. been exploited into it but you know that you've that right. you've had to give up for that, those things right we had our own money that we could only use at stores in the company town like, <laughs> yeah we had this money it had uh yeah it had the the boss on it not the president <laughs> but the boss of the company <laughs> um it used to be that when you were driving out of a metro area on a highway you'd note the change in scenery as it went from urban to rural. Today, what's most noteworthy is the transition to humongous warehouses and distribution centers, both currently in use and many more being built. Retail and e-commerce goliaths, Amazon.com and Walmart, have distribution facilities everywhere. And while they may have the biggest footprint, companies that make building materials have their fair share, as do other e-commerce players like pet supplies company Chewy Inc., Economic realities dictate where these facilities get built. The need for speedy deliveries makes it important to be close to large concentrations of customers. But because the facilities require so much land, hundreds of thousands of square feet or more, they tend to be built they tend to be on the outskirts of cities where land is abundant and cheap. Highway proximity is a must so that trucks can quickly get in and out. These warehouses also provide jobs to large numbers of people. An 800,000-square-foot Amazon building employs between 1,000 and 1,500 full-time workers. So when you have multiple large warehouses operated by different companies packed along both sides of the highway in close proximity, you can be talking about a cluster employing many thousands of workers. When you pack people like sardines, (laughs) we're talking about, like, my God. That's essentially what we're getting at here, yes. (laughs) Listen, if if you've considered the model in... uh, more densely populated areas of China and Bangladesh. I think that could really work for West Virginia. <laughs> now consider Amazon's announcement this week that it's making another big hiring push at its fulfillment centers with jobs paying an average starting wage of $18 an hour, up 20% since 2018. So generous, $18 an hour. Wow. Um, I'm twenty percent though. Since or what you or, or what you can get by uh, working at Arby's down the street here for me these days. <laughs> Thinking about the growth of fulfillment and distribution centers in general, maybe these highway warehouse communities with jobs that pay increasingly respectable wages are what the future of the working class looks like. And doesn't it make sense then to think about how we can make these communities better for the people who will live and work there? It starts with making the jobs as high-paying and safe as possible, whether that can be done by running labor markets hot or perhaps with unionization or the threat of it. If these sorts of jobs get to an average wage of $20 an hour, then a household with 1.5 full-time workers in it could make $60,000 a year with benefits. People can argue about what constitutes a reasonable (laughs) working-class lifestyle, But that would seem to offer the prospect for a much better existence than service workers had a decade ago, particularly considering lower housing costs on the outskirts of metro areas. Yeah, I'm sure peeing in bottles and shitting in fucking bags and shit like that because you can't, like, take a break on delivery, you know what I mean? Or, like, when you're in a warehouse, I'm sure that's a a reasonable working-class lifestyle. Well, listen, all these illiterate reprobates want is to be able to go watch uh, the latest Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie at the theater and eat at Applebee's on the weekend. What happens between Monday and Friday is strictly just, you know, just in support of that, so... Well, I like the in, I like the implication that like sixty thousand dollars with benefits. Wow, I mean Amazon has found a heart, and it's just I mean like 
you know, it's almost so cliche at this point to even bring it up, but, like, how much money did Bezos make during the pandemic? Wasn't it just an obscene amount? Like, all of these fucking people, like, you could, pay, well, you he's could on afford pace to, to be pay. the world's first trillionaire in, like, ten years or something. Exactly. Oh, my God. You could pay these workers probably, like, $2,000 an hour, and it still would not even cut into Bezos's bottom line. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could pay them so much more. They could be making probably half a million dollars a year, and it wouldn't even fucking make a blip in Bezos's wealth. Yeah. He could turn, like, literally swaths and swaths of the world into millionaires, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't even come close to touching his, his nut. No, I mean... I, there was this thing going around, and I haven't had time to, like, verify it or whatever, but it was, like, a small business in Ohio that, like, for a day, it was, like, a gimmick thing. It was, like, for a day, um, the workers ran the shop, and uh, everybody got paid the same, and, like, their hourly rate was, like, $75 an hour. You know what I mean? And, like, this was a small business in Ohio. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just magnify that by like whatever Bezos's wealth is and however much profits Amazon takes in and every worker could reasonably make be making like half a million dollars a year at Amazon I'm confident saying that um I don't I'm just like just trying to like just conceptualize like not only like what what having that much money is like but like how literally you are able to change the world like you know at your command at will you know what I mean? Like, the way you want it to be and how terrifying that is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, but the but like what this guy is suggesting... And what's even worse is that he had, like, a... It was, like, a thread, the thread, Twitter thread that he had started this with, posted it with. Um, he Somebody had asked him, like, um, you know, what do you, what do you think? He's like, oh, well, this... You know, I just wrote this because it's going to have implications, you know, for leftists, and they need to start thinking about this, you know? So, like... You know, already in this person's mind, like the autonomy of like the people that work on, on at, at Amazon, right? It's like com- something that's not even considered. You know, right? You know, right. Amazon is the one that gets to shape the reality for these people, and they're the ones that they should be grateful because they're getting homes and jobs. Yes, you know? exactly. It's a weird thing, Terrence. Um, have you ever driven through Huntington and saw the big fulfillment center over there? Just yeah. how like how weird it looks in like the landscape of it all. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something unsettling about that. I guess it's just you know we're we're pre biased with like all the stories about pissing in bottles and everything like that. But it there is just something like naturally like creepy about putting these like big huge futuristic facilities like right in the middle of like some of the most impoverished places in the country. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, they've completely. They've completely taken all what they're trying to do ultimately is not only take over, you know, not only be the source for all online uh, goods, groceries and other things, but also take over all local logistic lines. I mean, like they're trying to take over everything. Um, Didn't didn't Amazon like um, I think that that warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, Weren't they able to, like, through the city, like, facilitate, like, controlling the traffic lights, like, of that uh, that intersection wow. so that the, the, the workers that were picketing and trying to pass out, like, you know, flyers and stuff like that, the people just driving past, 
the the traffic lights were uh, tuned in such a way that the city basically relinquished the power of the traffic lights to Amazon, so that people were not able to stop um, as long as they would have otherwise. Right. And the workers also too were like under threat of possibly getting hit by fucking cars, you know. Well, it's um. On one hand, it's really dark that like this is what they're going for, but on the other hand, it's kind of like you know kind of fits right into like the whole Marx analysis, Marxist analysis of this. It's like, it kind of creates, seems like they're creating the conditions of their own, the, the the contradictory conditions of their own undoing. Like if they take over everything, if they eventually become, you know, infused into every aspect of our lives, it almost seems that like that presents even greater opportunities for us to take over them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe maybe not. Maybe that's the maybe that is the genius of the whole tech thing. I don't know. Well, one thing that you have to address right from the jump, some of this shit is just like gonna have to be addressed. Like at a certain point, like all those like robots that do backflips and shit that they're making. <laughs> yeah. Like we gotta nip that shit in the bud because some of this shit like AI, once the horse is out of the barn, there ain't shit you can do about it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like yeah, yeah. we should have been addressing that already. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, sure, okay, we'll work these shitty jobs because that's sort of a reality at this moment. But like those robots and those backflips and shit, I'm I'm gonna break those in half when you're not looking. Like we gotta do, <laughs> that's just gotta happen. <laughs> those goddamn robo dogs and shit. Yeah, that's not theoretical. That's like that's 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 happening. You know, oh, you know, there's yeah. that the, the iconic uh, picture from the civil rights era of like you know the the pigs like unleashing the dogs on people and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. not hard to see something like that happened in the future but those dogs are those weird robot things and it's bezos is the one that's pulling the strings instead of fucking uh bull connor or whoever you know yeah i will say i have much less compunction about beating the fuck out of a robot dog with a bat than i do an actual dog so you know yeah it's Yo. like it, <laughs> i would even let that good sweet boy even though he's his mind's been perverted by the cops <laughs> i would just <laughs> Listen, man, you ain't even got to beat those robot dogs. Apparently, there's like a uh, a manufacturing flaw where you could just pop the battery out from underneath or something <laughs> like that. So, yeah. So, like, people have already found that out. So, yeah. So, you know. Um, well, um, okay. Well, this is a pretty short thing. There's only like two paragraphs left. But um, mm. people can live. Oh, shit. It's trying to make me pay. Oh, no. It's trying to make me pay for a subscription. Hold on. See, that's exactly why, dude. What, I wish you could pop the battery out of this motherfucker. All right, <laughs> yeah, let me ha- yeah, let me give uh, five dollars so I could continue to read Connor's sin. <laughs> <laughs> People can live close to work with shorter commutes, <laughs> plus the possibility of employer-provided shuttle buses when their jobs are in a cheaper, less crowded part of a metro area. If there's a push to increase density by building affordable apartments or townhouses for workers, there's less likely to be wealthy homeowners mobilizing to stop it, since those sorts of homeowners probably will live closer to the city core. As wages rise and more jobs are created at warehouses and distribution hubs, you'll get a secondary increase in economic activity as amenities like retail and dining are built close by to appeal to the workforce. Um... 
these new factory towns will presumably have new issues that need addressing, such as adequate amounts of housing, schools, and healthcare facilities. But the point is that we need to be thinking about what sorts of communi communities are being created by the growth of U.S. e-commerce infrastructure and what they'll need to thrive. To, ur to urbanists, contemplating the potential of the area surrounding Interstate 75 in Ocala, Florida, outside of Orlando, might not be as sexy as upzoning and building transit in San Francisco, but it's these types of new communities that are going to be the future of a large segment of the working class. Did I read the right article? I guess I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, um, anyways, that's uh, Connor Sin. I mean, also, like, like this idea that, like, the whatever whatever land that Amazon, these warehouses are going to be building on, is just going to be, like, land that's already, like, you know, like, barren. You know, it's already, like, unowned by anybody. It's not like anyone lives there or has been living there for generations who's going to get kicked out. Nah, it's just, like, right. land that we just bought from the municipality, you know, that was just it there. You don't have to kick laps. people out of their fucking homes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be so ugly, too, and they're going to put it up as cheap as they possibly can. Like, they already sell, like, tiny houses on Amazon and shit that are just basically made with popsicle sticks and fucking particle board. <laughs> it's like you go you go to Hayman, Kentucky, and go look at the company houses up there and look see if they're, like, you know, built to stand the test of time. <laughs> you know, they are not, decidedly. <clears throat> Uh, Connor Sin is the co-founder or is the founder of a, an investment firm called Peachtree Creek Investments. He lives in Atlanta. Go fucking. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it is it is incumbent on you to go find Connor Sin and put hands on him. <laughs> About to pull the fuck up, man. Shit. Yeah. Well, it seems to me like yeah, what he's saying is, um. You've got these corridors on <clears throat> on the outsides of like metro areas, like you were saying, Aaron. That like <clears throat> they're just being like taken over by these large uh, e-commerce, like warehouse logistics centers and everything like that. And that this will be good for the working class because it will attract greater infrastructural investment to those areas as well. I guess, right? Like, I, is that kind of what he's saying? I don't really know what he's getting at here, to be honest. If, he, I mean, if he's getting at that, there is absolutely no historical precedence for that because that's the opposite of what's happening. <laughs> exactly. 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 Like, like, like seriously, it, it, go yeah. to any coal fucking camp and in that's ever been existed in this country, and like people straight pipe into the creeks, not because like. They're just gross and uncivilized, but because these companies that established these communities built no infrastructure, put no money into it. Like, they're going to try to do this. It's a max extract situation. I mean, dude, you don't build, like, you know, here in Atlanta, right? I mean, in any, like, you know, city, like, the term food deserts, right? Like, sure, there are a lot of people who work in this community, or, yeah, people travel outside of the community. But just because people live there doesn't mean there's any development in the community. There's not even right. a fucking supermarket, you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> like, consider this... They don't even need to use any of the on-the-ground infrastructure at a certain point because aren't they trying to build like a fleet of drone delivery? You know, dr uh, delivery drones. Those don't. Those don't need roads. You just fucking fly those to the house, deliver it, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like they have ways around this sort of like nexus of. So wait, Terrence, you, you say that the same drone that you just like, you know, like. Uh, uh, furnished and packaged with some shit at the factory is gonna like travel like two miles to your house in the factory town that you live in 
on the same fucking day? Like, <laughs> I guess so. Jesus, man. Yeah, they oh. have no incentive to invest in any of those things. Um, you know, I mean, they don't even really have an incentive at this point to invest in an actual company town. It feels like a lot of, like, hot air. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even yeah. make sense. Like, it would, it would cost them a lot of money to do it. I mean, the reason they built company towns back in the old days, because um, it felt like workers were maybe, well, shit, I don't know. I mean, I guess they did it for for geographical demands, but also because workers were pretty mobile, and there was a lot of immigrants coming into the country, and they needed to confine them in one place. But, we um, needed to contain the growing Lithuanian threat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Isolate them to one, uh, to one region. Yeah, yeah. It right. had to be done up front. Otherwise, they proliferate. Yeah, it seems like it was a, it was a mechanism of control, the, the requisites for which may not exist anymore. But maybe they do. I don't know. It just seems to me like they're not going to sink all those costs into you know into building an actual you know housing subdivision for workers unless as you said earlier tom it's just like cheap ikea shit it's just like popsicle state houses which I it'd be that. like an like an olympic village they'll be sleeping on like cardboard no fuck boxes and <laughs> shit like that i think this is one of those things like like you know bluster about automation that it's like connor sin probably knows that People, you know, sort of getting an uproar about the insistence of like company towns and so forth. And he's probably doing this shit for clicks because that's the whole sort of like news economy at this point. Yeah. And I mean, because I don't think you could go into this or or he just thought he had the take of the century that nobody thought of yet. Right. Yeah. Even though, <laughs> you know, I mean, like been around for a while. Could be it's clickbait too, yeah. You're right. But Tom, you just you just uh, hinted at something. It seems like this is just like, like if you're a journalist, like you're an op-ed dude, like the the profitable thing to do is to write an op-ed about basically how everyone needs to remain slaves. Pretty much, you know what I mean? <laughs> like convincing people like to go back to work, like you know, post-pandemic, you know, convincing people that company towns are a good idea. And I don't know. I think. I think Terrence, you were saying like, is it profitable for them to even like make these company towns? And maybe in the past that had something to do with what was being produced. You know, like if you're mining like coal, you know, that's something that's at in a specific region, a location. You know, but now these factories, these warehouses that are just popping up, like they're not making anything. They're just shipping things out. Like, right? Wh- why wouldn't Amazon just like? you know, uh, invest money in a public-private partnership uh, the same way that corporations um, that are located in Atlanta are doing with the Beltline, like Coca-Cola, for example, right? They're throwing tons of money at this Atlanta Beltline. I've told you guys about that, that ring that's being built around the city. Part of that is supposed to go to affordable housing, supposed to. So, I mean, if Amazon really wanted to, they could just, like, throw money at, like, you know, these cookie cutter like houses that like you were saying, Tom, that, you know, it's just basically a fucking popsicle that collapses in like, you know, like a week or something, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good point you make, Aaron, about not making anything here. It's like basically our our economy is just a convenience economy. It's like, how can I get from one place to the other, like at the fastest possible clip? That's why, like, 
if you look at like logistics sectors, like all those, that kind of shit is just doing nuts. You know what I mean? Others like Uber and others are just like weirdly operating at a loss and yet their valuations are like still sky high. I'm not sure how that works, but like, yeah, there's nothing physical material that we're making. These things are made in other places and we just figure out the most, you know, expedient way to get them into people's hands. And that's basically what, the, what we do here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, was in like seventy percent of the economy a service, you know? Oh man, yeah. I don't know. For them to actually want to make company towns, they would have to see their workers as like something that they would want to invest in. Um, but at this point, everybody's pressed so hard, and because the economy is seventy percent service, like work, they see workers as expendable. So. And easy, and therefore easily replaceable. So I don't see a scenario in which they would actually expend those kinds of quote-unquote investments to retain workers because they know they can just, like, treat them like shit, discard them, and be... I mean, I don't know. It's even darker than company towns in a way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, man. As you were talking... Go ahead, go ahead, Tom. What are you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was just going to say it's it, it's it's like... Even if let's say let's say there were no moral quandaries with this and it could work, I mean you would still be relying on the better angels of Jeff Bezos's nature, who is by all indications a guy that just thinks the system works right and thinks that like as long as he's continued to accumulate wealth, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you know what I mean? Like these rigid tech guys like Steve Jobs were like sociopaths, but I think they rationalized it as well. Uh, these people around me are inferior to me because they can't figure out how to like make this thing that's in my head in like two minutes and yeah. present it to me. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that like Terrence is right. I just think that it's like, they really don't have like a, like any compunction to really like treat people better. Like e- even for something like this to happen would rely on Jeff Bezos, like thinking, Hmm, okay, maybe I want to treat people better. But this is a guy that hasn't given any indication of that. This is a guy that just thinks that, like, well, if somebody quits or somebody can't hack it, then there's, like, 5,000 more people ready to take those jobs. So yeah. it, it just it just falls apart under scrutiny, even if it, even if we're stepping away from, like, the arguments of, like, you know, uh, people's autonomy and so forth. Yeah. 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 But even, like, you know, as Terrence, we were talking, I was thinking, like, you know, I'm sure people have written about this, like, better than I can, like, kind of talk about now but you know like i wonder how marx would describe like um like the silicon valley like tech industry you know like these aren't like i guess these like you know uh these factory tyrants of oil barons of old you know these are again like immaterial products where like their influence is stretching to like every part of human life you know where like you can point to jeff bezos as like an enemy but, like, you know, instead of, like, striking, you know, at a coal mine or something like that or a factory, where do you go to, like, take down Amazon, right? Do you just attack their warehouse houses? Do you blow up servers that are buried, like, hundreds of feet below ground? You know, like, there's this weird immaterial but very material aspect now that, like, the tech industry has that it's kind of, like, given the fact that 70% of, like, the economy is also, like, the service industry, it makes it hard to know, like where to attack those nodes right where to attack those weak points at 
it seems to me Marks would probably think that these tech guys probably split the difference between like Andrew Carnegie and like some weird occultists in Europe or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's probably what he would think. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, well, because not only do they have like this sort of economic imperatives, but there is also this sort of like cultural thing to them as well. You know what I'm saying? It's the reason why yeah. Elon Musk has so many stands and stuff. It's yeah. even though, I mean, there was that video of Tesla that was going around this week of that Tesla, like swerving in the pedestrians. I mean, like <laughs> the self-driving car. Yeah. Did you see that? I uh, heard no. about it. I heard about it. I didn't see it though. Yeah, it was a video of it was like a dash cam of a Tesla, and it, it's like it's the same. You know, you know how there was that video of the of the SpaceX rockets like fucking exploding, and then like Elon Musk and one of his nerdy, you know, uh, you know, servants or whatever were like, "This is it's a learning experience." Well, in this Tesla video, the same exact thing happens. Like this Tesla was driving on a busy street. And it, like, swerved into pedestrians, and the guy behind the wheel managed to catch it on time. But he was like, "Dang, oh dang! Well, it's not it's not perfect, but but we still got some work to do. But it's not perfect, but it's a pretty good demonstration. And it's just like, how yeah, many fucking people have to die? It just sacrifice a couple of grandmothers and like babies and carriages and shit like that. <laughs> In right. the name of progress, that's fine. In these people's minds, as long as it's not them, you know. Yeah, yeah." Well, that's because, like, it's like, I think you we see these people as, like, you know, Elon Musk and, well, Elon Musk specifically, right? I don't know about Be- Bezos, but Musk and all his stands is, like, these are the people that, like, the, the, the tech geniuses who are going to, like, help us get out of this thing that we all know we're in, you know? Right. You know what I mean? They're going to help us, like, get out of this, like, horrible, like, dead-end situation as a civilization that we're in with their technology. You know what I mean? So, well, this op-ed itself know. basically says that. Like, politics are a dead end. It's impossible. So all we got to do now is just hope that, like, you know, hope for the, you know, benevolence of, and, and like, the intelligence and smarts and technology and everything of, like, the tech industry. And it's, it's just like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't That's know. That's why, like, uh, you know, Howard Schultz is the CEO of Starbucks. Uh, I forgot what podcast I was listening to, but... Um, it's kind of like talking about him and um, there might have been Democracy Now! actually talking about the unionization efforts at a Starbucks in um, uh, upstate New York and Schultz, uh, how the way that he talked workers down from forming unions was basically saying that he has their best interest in mind, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and they don't even call their workers workers. They call them partners. Well, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like say we were earlier, we were talking about instead of using company town, using factory town, you know, just like that, that slight language change. And like, yeah, yeah man. I, yeah. If no, why would any of the workers at the Tesla factory who were doing this great service for the rest of humanity about building like these electric cars, like why would they want to unionize, you know, because of course, Elon Musk with his futuristic mind and humanistic thinking has their best interests at heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, speaking of unionization efforts, y'all been paying attention to any about the Heaven Hill workers in Bardstown, uh, Kentucky, I going on strike? Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to say, when I heard that, I was excited until I figured out that uh, um, 
that uh, fighting cock bourbon is bottled by Heaven Hill, and so the Coxman community, which I consider myself part of, <laughs> not happy about that. But you know, we don't. You still don't cross the picket line. So, uh, why did you get the your, the fellow Coxman to like go on strike, man? Yeah, Saudi man. Area, what the know? fuck? Yeah, dude. Well, we have we have our own agenda, Aaron. Um, <laughs> in any case, it's. Uh, it's it's funny because it's like you talk about like one of the f- like few material things that we make in this country still <laughs> booze you know and everybody's got their own morality uh, with all that kind of stuff but it is a material thing that we make and I think at one point I mean this is true ten fifteen years ago I don't know if it's true now but bourbon was the third most expensive liquid on the planet behind uh, crude oil and printer ink. God damn. And- <laughs> It's 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 funny to think about like uh you know like the bourbon industry is just boomed out of control like crazy like you like even like down shelf brands are like getting like bought and resold on the aftermarket for like many times like what they are like shit you could just go into Rite Aid and buy for $15 a yeah, fifth like top and like, bottom shelf type of shit yeah, like two years ago is now like $60 resale, and you can't find it anywhere, you know, unless it's like just like regular white label Jim Beam or something like that. Oh, but uh, yeah, but it's like funny that like that industry's taken off like that, and Heaven Hill's been a huge beneficiary of it. And uh, you got all these guys that, have, that are making it, you know, and mm-hmm. bottling it and everything else out here trying to get a dime. And I don't know. It's I, f- I felt like, uh, you know. Shout out to the Heaven Hill workers. We need to. Yeah, critical support. Yeah. Um. What else does Heaven Hill make? Oh Did man, they... I think they make. I saw a big list of their brands the other day. I can't remember. I mean, when I was in college, I drank, uh, uh, you know, a War Pension and Green Label, and now even that's like <laughs> getting resold for right. crazy amounts. So. Uh, I think they make they might make Elijah Craig and uh, I see yeah some other brands I can't remember exactly off the top of my head yeah um well yeah critical support for the <clears throat> for the bur- for the distillers yeah um, yeah um all right guys uh, let's uh, wrap a bow on this one um, sorry for the change in audio quality and the many technical difficulty just the just all the things we had to do to get this one episode out two over the last 24 worth. two days <laughs> of technical days difficulties worth. internet issues good fucking lord Bro, there's there's some love of podcasting man whatever it can go wrong will go wrong yeah seriously when you, when you least expect it to. seriously um, thanks for being patient with us. I should, probably should have tweeted out this was going to be late yesterday. I forgot to. But. Yeah, well, apologies. Some things are just beyond your control, though. And now that we rely on these modes of communication for everything, and we ourselves have no autonomy or control over it, um, it's not a good formula. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, yo, that's... <laughs> <laughs> the way that all kind of like that that was that's a, a little bit too on the nose man. <laughs> Damn, man. Um plug out of the matrix. Right. 
All right. Uh, well, thanks for listening this week, everybody. We'll see you on the Patreon in a few days. Um, and if not there, we'll see you back here next week. Um, until then, be safe. Take care of each other. Uh, we'll see you then. Bye. God, man.